Are you ready to inject a little punk rock DIY ethos into your indie author career? Join me, best-selling author Steph Green, for the Rage Against the Manuscript podcast, where we're going to explore how to tell your story, find your readers, and build a badass author brand. For more info, check out our website at www.rageagainstthemanuscript.com. Hey writers, it's Steph here again, and welcome back to another episode of the Rage Against the Manuscript podcast. I have just got back from this amazing writers' festival down in Dunedin, which is a city here in New Zealand, and it was incredible. Um, I, you know, I did four events over three days, and I did I did a panel event with other romance writers. I did um, I did this really cool event where there was four very different writers: fantasy writer, crime writer. Little on me and an academic, and we talked about. We, we sort of had 12 minutes each to talk about the topic, uh, woman of the past and the present, and what they teach us about the future, and that was really really fun. Um, I did a workshop, two hour two hour workshop, all about self starters and self publishing, and I got to speak in front of 200 teenage girls at the Otago Girls High School, which was terrifying absolutely terrifying but I think it went really well and it was it was really fun um you know writers festivals they're kind of one of those things that um sort of sometimes go on the side of being a professional writer and they are you know you usually get paid if you're asked to appear in a festival you um you really should be getting paid for that so it does become another income stream but um you know it's not sort of you know for me technically technically it would be more beneficial in terms of income to just stay at home and write but i personally find writers festivals really fun and really invigorating and i go to lots of events and i get to travel and i get to talk to other writers and you know and, and readers who are really excited to hear about us so they're really cool I thought that next podcast I might do a bit of a breakdown about you know what writers fest what what writers festivals actually are, how to get into them, and um, how to you know if you've got events coming up at the festival how to really like rock those events, especially as a self publisher because I definitely learned a few things this time. But I thought today um, because I sort of I've only just got back so I haven't kind of collect all my thoughts about things yet. So I thought what we'd do today is we would actually talk about reader engagement. So who are our readers and how do readers actually behave? So what do readers actually do and how will that knowledge help us as authors to put out successful books? So yeah, so let's do that. So basically uh, all businesses need a market, and as writers, uh, you know, as writers who are trying to earn income from our books, or to sell lots of copies of our books, our market is our readers. So we've got to begin with our readers. You know, it's amazing to me how often authors start off writing books without once thinking about the people who will actually read them. Now, of course, if you're an author and you know your goals are more about, I have the story in my head and I want to get it down, and you're not really thinking about, well, you know, this is what I want to do for a career or anything like that. It's, it's more about 
you know, personal satisfaction for you, that's totally cool. And, you know, you, you're not in a position where you have to start by thinking about your readers. But if you're an author who wants to do this for a living, or you are looking to, in some way, grow your audience, and you know you want you want books that are commercially successful, whatever that means to you. Then, at some point, in some way, you need to be considering readers. I I, th- I do think you should be considering yourself as well. You know, you should be writing things that you enjoy in a way that you enjoy writing them. But you should also, you know, readers should be part of that equation. You know, this is um, this is market research. You know, the kind of market research that a business you know should be doing. And the most successful businesses are the businesses that you know, that know their audience and know what they want and know the, well, you know, in the business world we say the problem that they're trying to solve. And here the problem is really that, you know, we're entertainers. You know, we're entertaining people. And and it's it's basically as simple as that. Um, So the problem that we're trying to solve is that we've got a reader and we need to give them the entertainment that they enjoy so that they keep coming back and getting more. Well, that's basically the gist of it. So, I'm going to tell you a little bit about readers and about reader habits. Now, what I'm going to be talking about has been sort of ascertained through you know, research papers, through news articles, through information that's sort of freely and publicly available. Um, and I have not quoted any sources because that would have made this um, podcast go on forever. Um, but I, I, you know, I sort of know that what you really want to do is you really want to get to the kind of how do I sell more books stuff. Like, you know, so for the most part, just take my word for it. But if you, you know, that these are these are true things about readers. Um, but. I do encourage you to go and do your own research and dig in, you know, deeper, especially into your specific genre, because within the genres, readers will have specific habits and specific demographics, and it will be really interesting for you as an author to know that. So let's talk about some things that we know about readers. So readers, the first thing and one of the most important things is that readers tend to read in one main genre with very little deviation. Now this is very hard for us as authors to understand because we have very diverse tastes. I don't know about you, but you know, my reading is all over the show. You know, I write paranormal romance mainly and a little bit of contemporary romance, but paranormal romance is probably about 10% of what I read. I read a lot of psychological thrillers, I read a lot of literary fiction, you know, especially kind of classic literary fiction, I read a lot of horror, I read a lot of non-fiction, I read a lot of true crime, I read, did I say psychological thrillers? I read a crap ton of psychological thrillers, I read like cutesy cozy mysteries, I read like, you know, laugh out loud, romantic comedies and chiclet kind of books. I you know, I I have very specific tastes, but I have very wide ranging tastes. And it's really hard for me to understand just constantly reading books within one specific you know one specific genre and even one specific subgenre. But that is the activity that we see readers partaking in. 
and in fact if you ask a reader you know you, you might meet if you meet a reader and they say that they have you know very wide-ranging very diverse tastes it's quite funny you know I was talking to a girl the other day and she was saying oh you know I, I read I read extremely widely you know I read paranormal romance and I read contemporary romance and I've even read a couple of historical romances now to me that's not reading widely but to a reader that is so that's really hard for us to understand but it's very important readers tend to read in one main genre with very little outside of that genre uh, now another very important thing to know is that readers are series loyal first they are genre loyal second and they are author loyal a distant third now, the more voracious your readers are within a genre or a subgenre, the less likely they are to be loyal to an author. Now, this is also true for books that are trending. So, if there is, you know, if you're writing books in a very popular trend and a thing that's having a bit of a moment, then those readers will be significantly less author loyal than you know authors in a sort of a more of an evergreen genre or evergreen tropes now this is this is a very common in my genre in romance so obviously romance is one of the it is it is the biggest fiction genre in terms of sales so we've got a lot of the readers we've got a majority of the readers let's say now that is really cool because it means there is a much bigger audience out there for my books however these readers are very voracious they're often reading a couple of books a day and what they you know what they tend to do is they tend to read really via tropes they have they they may have specific um sort of subgenre within romance so usually one of the main ones so you'll read mainly contemporary romance you'll read mainly paranormal or mainly historical and then within that there will be specific tropes that they like so let's say um well just having a moment a moment at the moment so um let's say you uh, mainly read paranormal romance and you know paranormal romance is kind of split into werewolves vampires and misc misc uh, miscellaneous um so let's say you read paranormal romance and at the moment um this trope called rejected mates is having a moment on certainly on amazon um, so this is a specific werewolf trope about uh, mate bonds, about, you, you know, fated mates is a very common trope in paranormal romance, and rejected mates is when um, two people or more people are werewolves, are fated to be together, um, but for whatever reason, one or more of those people reject that, um, that mate bond. And so this is having a moment. Um, and what happens is that you may read an awesome Rejected Mates book um, or an awesome series. And if you read an awesome book and it's the first book in a series, because readers are series loyal first, um, they will tend to finish that series. They've got to know what happens. They're in love with the characters. They need to know what happens next. So they're going to finish that series. And then what they're going to do is they're going to go, I really enjoyed that Rejected Mates book. I want more but when they say I want more we kind of think that they're going to go I want more from this author but what they actually do is they go I want more rejected mates books and they go back to Amazon they type in rejected mates and they just grab all the books that fit that trope 
So they read sort of, that's what I mean by their genre loyal second. So genre and trope loyal. So they're going to go back to Amazon or wherever they buy their books and they're going to look for all the other books that they can find that kind of scratch that itch that they have. And then a distant third, they might go, oh, I really enjoyed that author's style. I'm going to see what else they have. So one of the things about this is that, you know, this is what we talk about. And it's all going to come in the conclusion of this podcast, but we'll talk about it now a bit. This is one of the, you know, this is one of the reasons why having a very strong author brand is very important. Um, because if you, you know, if you will, if you have a rejected mate series that's really successful, it's a very good idea to follow that series up with another rejected mates series. And you know, the reason for that is pretty obvious um you know is that those readers are looking for that same trope so you should write that same trope and that can be hard for us as authors to do because we want to go do exciting new things and we always seem to think that you know exciting new thing is what readers want you know oh they must be so bored of rejected mates by now they must want you know some vampires or something else um it's sort of not true. <laughs> it's sort of not true, team. Um, and so, yeah, so if you're trying to be strategic, um, that is a really important thing to think about. Um, so the other thing I wanted to talk about is that the fiction world is divided into three worlds. Now, I'm not really going to talk about non-fiction here, but the, the fiction world is divided into three worlds. You have got literary fiction, you have got children's fiction, and you have got genre fiction. Now, readers in these three worlds don't tend to cross over the worlds. Um, so, you know, as an adult reader, you tend to be one or the other. You tend to be a literary fiction reader or a genre fiction reader. Now, writers, obviously, we are different. So we can often read across the spectrum. But readers, they tend to be one or the other. Now, these readers all choose books in different ways. And depending on what type of author you are, it's important to know how your readers choose books so that you can, you know, put your books where they are. So we're going to talk about all those. So literary fiction readers. These guys, they choose books by, they read reviews and publications that they trust. They look at award lists. I mean, how many people do you know who um, spend sort of every year reading all the books on the Booker long list or the Booker short list. I know a lot of literary readers who that is how they read. You know, that is how they choose books. Um, so they look at award lists. They also trust recommendations from friends with similar taste or from bookstore staff. Now, sometimes these readers will follow specific publishers. So if they have a publisher whose work that they, they enjoy, and especially if the books are quite sort of beautifully packaged, uh, they may follow that publisher. They may um, you know, be on that publisher's mailing list and you know, choose a number of books from that publisher each year. That is not a habit that genre fiction readers really do at all. Um, liter literary fiction readers, they will also go to literary festivals, kind of like the one that I've just been at, and they will pick up the books of authors who they found interesting. These guys read overwhelmingly in hard copy dead tree books. 
and they do actually read less than they think they do. Now, I don't, I haven't found sort of average numbers for this, but anecdotally, um, speaking from people that I know, and, you know, maybe you can push back on this a bit, but, you know, this is just, you know, so anecdotally, I find in this category people, you know, talk about how much they love reading and how reading is one of their, their favourite hobbies, and they're probably reading somewhere between 10 to 30 books a year, which is, you know, that's still sort of between one to three books a month. So that's, you know, I call that a lot of reading, but 10 to 30 books a year. These readers are harder to reach with self-publishing. It's just a fact. Harder to reach via self-publishing because of the way that they choose and consume books. So you can do it, but it is an uphill battle because obviously these guys are very reliant on bookstores, they're very reliant on print books, and as self-publishers, print is not really our market. People can do it, but it is, it's harder and it requires a different approach. Um, if this is you as a writer, one of the things that you can do is, is basically just start by asking yourself, is self-publishing actually the best way to find your readers? And if you're going to do self-publishing, um, you know, is there, how can you think strategically about that? So one thing that some authors who are literary fiction authors um, will do is they will start in start self-publishing in a literary adjacent genre fiction category, and they will start to build an audience with the goal of attracting a publisher. So they, they have the long game in mind. Now one really good example of this is um, the, uh, the historical author Libby Hawker. So Libby started in self-publishing, and she started by publishing historical fiction, which is a very literary fiction adjacent genre. So historical fiction is genre fiction, um, but a lot of authors in that category, you know, it's very heavily trad-pubbed, um, and a lot of authors in that, that category sort of skirt the line between um, genre and literary. So it, it's literary adjacent, let's say that. So Libby had this series of um, Egyptian, ancient Egyptian historical um, books that she was writing and trying to get traditionally published. And the publishers kept saying, look, ancient Egyptian, you know, it sounds okay, but really what we want, you know, where the, where the numbers are is World War II fiction and uh, Regency. So could you just... Um, you know, just write us something that's World War II or Regency, that would be swell. So she couldn't get a publisher, so what she did was self-publish these books, and what she found was that there is a voracious audience out there for Egyptian, ancient Egyptian historical fiction, like I could have told her that because I've read all her books and they're amazing, and I read basically any ancient Egyptian historical fiction book I could find. Um, so there is an audience out there, but it is significantly smaller than the audience for World War II or Regency or any of the other categories that have a lot of readers. And when you're self-publishing and you're keeping 70% of your royalties, that's perfectly fine because you can make a fuck ton of money off of a smaller niche because you are keeping higher royalties. So this is what Libby found, and so she grew a, a really loyal audience through these Egyptian books. And what happened was she was doing so well that she got um, offered an Amazon book deal for a standalone book. Um, 
which was another sort of ancient sort of historical period. And then she got offered another Amazon deal, and this time the book was slightly more literary, and then she got another, you know, another kind of deal, and so, you know, and last year, I think it was last year, or the year before, she was um, longlisted for the Pulitzer Prize. So she started in genre fiction, and she she was able to kind of pivot that into the career that she always wanted. So that's really cool. Um, now, if you are thinking about this in your literary fiction, then it's a really good idea to kind of think very carefully about, you know, is there a way that you can kind of create a, a brand for yourself within, you know, within your specific genre. So think really carefully about who you are as a writer, what your genre is going to be. Um, so selecting a specific niche really helps, you know, so Libby had her historical fiction. There are other kind of popular niches within um, literary fiction, so historical is one, um, LGBT sort of queer fiction is another, um, there's sort of a bit of a thing for kind of literary erotica, um, young adult is another one, there's, there's sort of lots of these kind of small little niches um, which you can, if you know that's where you're sort of heading, then you can start in the genre equivalent of those little niches and kind of build from there. So that's one way to look at things. So that's literary fiction. Now children's fiction is quite interesting because the people who are purchasing the books aren't actually the readers who read them. Like, it's a bit weird. So you have to sell to two people. You need books that appeal to kids and you also need to get those books into the hands of the adults who buy them. Whether that's parents or teachers or librarians or relatives buying as gifts and, and you know that gift market is very interesting in the children's fiction market. Um, it's one of the reasons why if you look at Kickstarter and you look at the books that have done really well in the book category, um, what you'll kind of see is that those books are all sort of really cleverly designed. You know, the majority of really successful books um, are either books connected to, like, say, popular comic book worlds, um, or they are, like, planners and journals and things, or they are children's books. And those books are kind of really, the books that do really well are kind of cleverly designed so that someone like me, who is quite tech savvy, who is a little bit geeky, who doesn't have kids, which is a huge chunk of the Kickstarter market. So someone like me can look at those books and go, that is a really cool book about a really funky thing, or, you know, it speaks to a certain market. I have some kids in my life, so I'm going to buy five of those books, and then they're going to be gifts. And that's how I purchase, you know, I purchase maybe 10 or 15 children's books a year. Um, and I don't have any children, but I purchase those books for gifts. And there's sort of very specific reasons that make a children's book a great gift. And so it's, it's worth thinking about that. But so those are some of the, the people that purchase children's books. So series work very well for kids, um, even with picture books, because if a kid likes a character, they're going to want all the books by that character, and they are quite strong and opinionated about their tastes. So that's really good. Strong brands also really help. 
So for example, if your books always include a puzzle at the back, or you write specifically for girls of a certain age, or if you have like a certain set of morals or values you promote. So, you know, for example, um, you, you know, you have books within the Christian market or, um, you know, within another particular religion, um, you know, that kind of thing. It's very easy for parents who relate to those things um, to go back to you again and again and again because they trust that you're going to have books that they need or the type of books that they want their children to be reading. One really cool thing about the children's market is that even in self-publishing, children's fiction goes crazy over Christmas. So um, you know, obviously the big problem with children's fiction is that, again, um, it's largely a print-based market, which is hard for self-publishers. But um, unlike literary fiction readers, um, people who buy children's fiction are not snobby about, they don't have any kind of turn their nose up at self-published books or at books that come from small press publishers. They don't care where the book comes from, they just care that it looks really good and it's going to appeal to the, you know, the person who is going to be reading the book. Um, and so one cool thing about this market is that even in self-publishing, children's fiction goes crazy over Christmas. It's this gift thing again. So, it, you know, especially if you're on a limited budget, is a very good idea to kind of save your marketing ideas up you know, for the year and focus really hard on a big marketing push around Christmas. And you can be quite creative about that, you know, think about setting up book boxes, um, you know, giveaways, all kinds of things um, to sort of really focus your, but you know, focus on that Christmas market. Um, and you can do that instead of feeling as though you have to be on sort of on with marketing all year round. And then finally, 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 you have genre fiction readers. Now the majority of fiction that is consumed and the majority of fiction readers read genre fiction. So these are your commercial genres, romance, fantasy, science fiction, mystery, thriller, historical, action, adventure, western, etc, etc, etc. These readers used to read predominantly in cheap paperbacks, but they now read majority on devices. Um, you know, because it's cheap and it feeds their habit. It can be easy to mix up a genre reader with a casual reader. This is the kind of reader who, you know, picks up a book that looks interesting to them at the airport bookshop because they need something to pass the time. And maybe they read like two books a year. So that's a casual reader. But genre readers are not casual. These guys are hardcore fans and they are voracious. These are the guys that might read 10 to 20 books a month. Many of my readers read one to two books a day. Now, this is the area, genre fiction is the area where self-publishers shine. Why? A number of reasons. We can produce books quickly, so we can meet this demand for these voracious readers, and they don't forget about us in between releases, because we can release quite quickly if we want to. We can sell our books cheaply in a digital format, which is exactly how these guys like to consume their, um, their reading. And we can respond to market trends and their tastes quite you know, quickly if we want to, to give readers more of what they love. 
Another thing that you might want to know about readers is that readers do tend to prefer books with a protagonist who sort of vaguely roughly matches their gender and their basic kind of demographics. Although there is some variation here. So you know, think of genres where the main protagonist tends to be a woman. Those genres are predominantly read by women. There, you know, as I said, there is a bit of variation here. You know, a lot of like really angsty young adult books um, are, so young adult was really interesting because in the traditional publishing market, young adult is primarily read by actual young adults. So, it, you know, it's probably 50-50 um, is sort of what the numbers say. Um, but, you know, traditional print young adult is um, specifically marketed into schools um, and, you know, it's specifically marketed into that, uh, into that actual young adult market. A lot of adults read it as well. Uh, but in self-publishing, young adult in ebook form is predominantly actually read by adults. You're largely older women. Um, and, you know, a lot of the the kind of thinking around this is that you know you're slightly older you've kind of settled into family life maybe um and you sort of if you want to be kind of reminded of all those real tumultuous emotions of being in your late teens and your early 20s and uh, you know so young adult gives you that gives you that angst and we love we love a bit of angst so yeah so readers tend to prefer books with protagonists that matches their gender their basic their basic demographics with a bit of variation you know most i believe most crime is re is read by women but a lot of crime has male protagonists and kind of thing readers often say things that are not true especially when they're writing reviews um so you know, if we're reading reviews looking for kind of reader information you have to be very careful about what you take as a truth. So for example, this is probably the most common one, is that readers in reviews will scream about how much they hate cliffhangers. They're never going to read a book with a cliffhanger again ever. They are never going to read a book by this author again because this author had a cliffhanger and the book's not complete and it's, it's wrong. Um, and then they will binge read the entire series. Um, so you know, this is this is so common it's not even funny. I once I started using really evil cliffhangers, my sell through on series skyrocketed, but the negative reviews about cliffhangers also increased. And one interesting thing is that sometimes you will get reviews from readers that say, never reading a book, you know, cliffhanger, I'm so angry, two stars, never reading a book by this author again, and you'll get that book on book two in a series, and then you'll get the same review, similar review, from the same reader, book six in a series. So they're obviously still reading. Um, so this is one of those cases where you have to be very careful about um, you know, drawing conclusions from things that readers say in reviews. I think re reading reviews and reading about what readers love about a book and what they hate about a book in terms of the characters is very, is, is quite useful. Um, but in terms of things like like that, um, it's you, you know you have to kind of be careful. Other things that readers sort of say that are lies is you know once sometimes I get comments saying. I'm really sick of like heroes in romance books with like washboard abs and perfect bodies. I want like normal romance guys, like dad bod 
guys. And I don't have to do it to kind of tell you that a romance book with a dad bod hero is not really gonna do that well. Look, it might, but it's not. It's not a great idea. You know, it's not a great idea, team. Um, I have a readers group on Facebook with two thousand people in it, and you would think it would be a really great place to do market research, um, because it's just like two thousand readers right there willing to answer questions. But readers have terrible ideas. I, I'm sorry, but they do. They have terrible ideas. Um, so pay attention to what they do. So pay attention to them to the numbers, not what they say. So most important is that readers tell us what they actually want through tropes and genres, through their buying habits, what they're buying, what they're reading, what they're loving, and why. So readers go looking for a specific type of book um, because it gives them a specific experience. And readers want the safety of that specific experience, which is one of the reasons that they love series so much, because they can feel safe with the characters and the plot. So romance readers want to fall in love, fantasy readers want a world that they can get lost in and have an adventure, um, specific subgenres and specific tropes offer specific experiences, and readers are familiar with those experiences and they get excited about them. This is how they choose books. They choose a book based on an experience that they want to have. So it's really important um, that you remember this. Um, and I talk about this a lot, I talk about it all the time, um, about having a strong author brand. And the, your author brand is the promise that you make to your readers. It, you know, we've talked about safety, so about how, the safety that readers feel in their specific genre, their specific tropes. Your promise gives them that safety. Um, because they know that if they go to you, they're going to get a specific experience. And if you fuck with that safety, um, that's how you stall a career, basically. Um, and I'm going to be talking a lot more about this in an upcoming little thing that I'm making for you that I'm quite excited about. But that is all I've been yammering on for half an hour. So that is all that we're going to do in the podcast today. I hope you found this really useful, um, this sort of conversation about readers. And I am really interested to hear what you think. And, you know, what about your reading habits? Um, I know that in some ways mine really match sort of commonly defined reader habits and in some ways they are very very different so you know tell me about your reading habits and about the reading habits that you have observed from your readers that would be really cool um yeah basically um have an awesome day and happy writing <laughs>